Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. So Lord, I thank you you're training us. We're having ears to hear, eyes to see, revelation knowledge of all that you want us to understand concerning how money flows through your kingdom. In the wrong hands, money corrupts, but in the hands of the righteous, it causes God to be glorified and his kingdom to be known. And that is our desire. The world does not have a right to all of this finance when our dad owns the planet. For he says, I own a cattle on a thousand hills. All the silver and gold are mine. In fact, it's time for the sons of God, the kings of the earth to rise up and say, we're taking back dad's money so that we can just communicate his word in the earth. And Father, we give you honor and glory and praise for it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Well, are you ready to receive more? Bishop, don't sit down. Come on. Because we need to get right into this thing. Amen? If you weren't here last night, this is Bishop Garraway. I'll let him explain himself to you because I want to hear the word tonight. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's receive it. (laughs) Oh, bless you, my brother. If you love the Lord, say amen. Amen. If somebody forced you to be here, say, thank you, Jesus. That's checking the accent. <laughs> say, Bishop, you speak with an accent. No, I've been speaking like this since I was born. You're hearing me funny. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, my first financial miracle I ever got, I was between 17 around 17 years old. And at that time my mother was a single mother and I never wanted to bother her for things. And I needed to get to church for a meeting, then go on to another district to do evangelism. I had to go two districts over. I had bus tickets to take me through the first one. And I decided, listen, this is God's work. God will back me up. So I took that bus, and then I stood at the taxi stand, wondering what next. (laughs) I saw the time going. I spent a whole hour there. And then after somebody came, who knew me from church, and said, hi, Gavin, what you doing here? I said, I ain't got no money, I need to get to (laughs) church. It took me across to a certain place, changed the $20, gave me $5, and the taxi, when it went up, by the church, I saw the church closed. Back then there wasn't any cell phones. And um, this was 1983 around there. And um, the same taxi took me to the next district. And I realized that God was on time. When I thought I was being late, God came exactly on time. And I got that first $5 miracle. Amen. Then about two months after, my second miracle was a $40 miracle. I needed to go to a camp, a youth camp. And I said, Lord, you know, if you had prophets, you could tell them, go give me money, <laughs> you know? <laughs> then I went to church, to the class, and I just had a conversation with someone, and I said, um, you know, I need to leave early because I need to catch a bus. 
and the person walked down the road and they swung back and they called me and they gave me a Pentecostal shake hand. You know what's a Pentecostal shake hand? This is what they shake hand and leave money. Y'all do that around here? Hallelujah. And they left me with $20. So I went home. I actually got a lift home, so I got to keep the whole $20. And the next day I packed my bags, put it by my, my door. I said, Lord, I'm not leaving here till you help me in Jesus' name. Then all of a sudden my mother calls me and says, Gavin, did God give you the money? <laughs> I said, I got 20. She said, here's, here's the rest. And that was my fourth of miracle. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. A few years ago, I'm accustomed to doing investments with a certain bank. And it's a Canadian-based bank. And they decided to Canadaize, which means all their permissions were going through Canada. And I have good credit. And I wanted to buy a property for investment purposes. And normally, if they refuse you, the manager only has two times to go back. And the manager of the bank went three times to me. And of course, people in Canada were just refusing. And they told me that on the 91st day of a 90-day contract, where I'd gotten a 21-day extension, or a 100-day, they told me. So I had 11 days to find 900,000. And I decided in my heart that God did not want me to give that man a $100,000 gift. I paid $100,000 down. So I had to find nine. Now I could have got 900000 if I had time to move things to cash, other investments. And I began to pray. And I, God taught me, because I got every single cent. In fact, I went to the table with more money than I needed. But I learned at that time how to believe God in an emergency. You see, the Bible says the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant is that God would write his laws in our hearts and in our minds. So I would pray with the spirit aggressively, passionately, and then I would lie back and I would wait for an idea. And every time I get an idea, I would go test it. And 99% of the ideas I got from God produced money. One time I even heard the Lord say, check your son, your eldest son. I said, Lord, he's living in my house. That nigger ain't got no money. <laughs> I said, all right, I'll obey the Lord anyhow. <laughs> Man had $50,000 sit down, sitting down. And then he says, so-and-so has money too. He squealed at his sister. <laughs> so I borrowed it from them, paid them back 10% in a few months time. Now, up to 24 hours, I was trying all different means to find the final 200. I'd reached 900,000 cash. I needed another 200,000 with 24 hours to go. And I was trying with another bank, and they said, we'd give you the loan. They were local base. You, qual you qualify. But I noted the timing wasn't enough, 24 hours. Now, these people had already told me there were other people waiting on the property. If I didn't bring the money, they were huffing my money. They were taking my money. So I complained bitterly to God in my car. I said, God, I have given $100,000 to so many people. Why should $200,000 be a problem for me? And for the first time, he didn't give me a picture. He didn't give me a vision. He spoke to me audibly. And he said, what you did was out of love and ministry. The people that you help did not have the faith, the network, nor the wisdom, you can handle this. And then he went silent in me. 
And what I found with God, once God speaks to you in the context of anything, a solution is present, even if he does not tell you anything. And then the phone rings, and the bank that was trying to get a loan from tell me, go to your credit union, get a debtor. And I know I couldn't get it in time, but I remember in the credit union there was a lady there named Garraway, and that day she was going to be my relative. <laughs> so I called, and she told me only two persons can help you get that letter immediately. And when I went there, I saw one of them coming in, and I believe an angel threw down his books, <laughs> and I helped him, and I told him my problem, and he said, follow me. I was telling him I want a letter, and by the time I was finished, he said, no, we can give you the money. We'll give you 166000 So I only needed 34000 again. And below my mattress, in my safe, I had the other 34000 I went to that deal. I got that 900000 in 11 days, 10, 10 or 11 days' time. I found out the biggest problem we have as a church is that we don't act like children. The Bible said, except you repent and become as a little child, not a big adult. When you don't give a child something, he complains, he pouts, he expresses himself. Most of you are too dandy to do that before God. Because you don't think yourself as a little child. And that's one of the kingdom principles. Are you hearing me? You see... The Bible says the word of faith is nigh us, even in our mouth and in our... The problem with too many of us is we are shooting empty guns. Because if the word of God is not filling your heart, then when you speak, it's as much as shooting blanks. Are you hearing me? It's like your wife asks you, do you love me? And I say, well, yes, honey, the Bible says I should love my wife and I don't try to obey the word of God. No, you, you get in a sandwich that night. Amen? Hallelujah. The one time the Bible permits you to lie is in romance. Amen. Honey, you are the bestestest woman in the whole world. You are the most beautiful woman. If beauty was not invented, you would have invented it. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. It was one thing I want to leave with you this week is the fact that God has no problem in building and establishing and sustaining your personal wealth once you're not his enemy. Are you with me? You understand that God is not intimidated by money. In, the, in the eternity, in fact, Jesus said, we should pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy, thy kingdom, thy will be, on, as it is in. And if you can show me poverty in heaven, I'll show you where that's God's will. If you can show me sickness in heaven, I'll show you where that's God's will. Are you hearing me? But the fact that we have to pray or command and demand the will of God is an indication that the default happening is not the will of God. Otherwise, we wouldn't need to pray it. You see, if the will of God was automatically going to happen, why would Jesus tell you to pray for the will of God to happen? You have to understand the norm in this particular realm, especially for the believers. You see, as a Christian businessman, or as a Christian going after wealth, you have to understand it's a ministry. It's not the same as the unsaved guy. Now, I'm not against Amazon. I'm still way I'm, since I've been here, buy tickets from Amazon. <laughs> Always buying. But that guy used his money. You know, he supported the, that, when that uh, Supreme Court verdict came down concerning the 
LGBT, whatever it is, same-sex marriages. You're aware that he was one of the persons who sponsored the lawyers, the attorneys. You all aware of that? I don't even live here and I know. <laughs> because that's what the unsaved do with their money. Amen? God, however, needs the righteous people to stand up on the other side. Now, one of the things that the Bible says to us, the Bible teaches us the power of righteous rulership. Let's get into some scripture tonight. Let me lay some foundations with you. Amen. And then I'll get, try to get into more practical. I'll try to share some testimonies because if God could do it for me, I don't have any, uh, I, I don't have any, I don't own God. Are you with me? Amen. God belongs to all of us. Amen. Praise God. Go to Proverbs chapter, 10, chapter 11 and verse 10. It says, when it goeth well with the righteous, the city rejoiceth. And when the wicked perish, there is shouting. Verse 11, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. There's a clear-cut distinction between what happens when the righteous or when the wicked are in control. Are you with me? You see, God is interested in his children bearing rule, representing him. In fact, the original intent of God, he said, let us make man in our image and likeness and give him dominion. Jesus said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. You see, we only think about health or fire insurance. God is taking us beyond that. Amen. If God wanted you just saved to go to heaven, the safest time for you to have died is immediately after you receive Jesus Christ. So you accept Christ, boop, you go off to heaven. You don't have to worry about anything. Wife giving you trouble, Lord Jesus coming to my heart. Boop, you're gone. Husband giving you trouble, you say, Lord Jesus coming to my heart. Boop, you're gone. You don't worry about life. But Jesus said, to them that overcome it, he says, I knock. If you hear my knock, I will come in and I will sup with you and you with me. And then he says, I will, uh, and for those who overcome, I will grant to sit in my throne, even as I overcame and the Father granted for me to sit in his throne. So Christianity is for overcomers. We are here to demonstrate the validity of God's word. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1 says, we are here for the, to have the manifestation of truth to the conscience of men. Are you with me? You see, if this thing can work in Trinidad, it surely can work in America. We got 1 million people, 1.4, you'll have 300 million. And you have a tremendous heritage. Now, in 11.11, it says the blessing of the upright. Let's define blessing. If you look at chapter 10 and verse 22, it says the blessing of the Lord, it make it poor. You see that there? What did it say? The blessing of the Lord make it what? Oh, I thought they were putting up the scriptures. Your guys, they would they? They not? Your guys are fired? <laughs> All right, let me don't do that. Let me don't do that. <laughs> the, the blessing of the Lord, it make it rich. Amen. Because, listen to me, because you represent, the, you represent God. You are a royal priesthood. Now, I told you, I'm connected. On one side, my wife grew up in the Zulu King's palace. Amen. That's her, the present king is his, her first cousin. That's about 15, between around 14 to 15 million Zulus in South Africa. So if you mess with me, you're in trouble. And on the other side, her uncle is the king of Swaziland. 
That's her father's brother. Amen? When she came to a certain age, they took her to a certain part of her country and they gave her a portion of land. And that was regardless of whether the chief agreed with or not. And then what happened is that she's told me, she explained, said, when she built there, they were expecting that anybody who had a problem, they would come to her because she would be immediate representation of the king. Now that sounds like Psalm chapter two. Today I declare you're a son. Ask of me and I will give you the heathen for that inheritance and the utmost parts of the earth for thine possession. And we know that's not in reference to Christ when he was born. We notice when he came up from the dead because it's mentioned in the book of Acts chapter 13, verse 32 and 33, where he's the firstborn among many brethren. Are you with me? So God's desire for your life, and, and you know, a lot of Christians, they argue, does God want me to be rich? Well, and I think a lot of people are catching this, would have, some would have hit people are not catching it. Second Corinthians chapter eight and verse nine says, we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ for us, that though he was rich, yet he became poor, that we through his poverty might be rich. Okay, good. Your guys are back in my favor. <laughs> and rich means more than enough. Yeah. Amen. God gives you, that's God's standard. The Bible says, let him that stole, steal no more, but let him work willingly with his hands that he may have to give, not pay his bills, to give. Right. Amen. Because the lowest level is stealing. And then after that, it's, it's begging. And then it's borrowing. And then it's working for yourself. Sorry, oh, having a job. Then it's being an owner, an investor. It's being a king or a person who deals with deals, looking for the prince's favor. But the highest level is the level of sowing and reaping. Yeah. When you could just intervene into divine purposes. Right. Are, you, are you with me? You can represent the king in certain things. You can just step in and change a person's destiny by the power of your money. Are you hearing me? You see, God wants to be able to step into people's life. Going to the churches at the time, I walked in one church on Sunday morning, noted there was a leak. I said, how much to fix your roof? 210,000. Said, I'll match you at half. I like to do that because I like to encourage the people to start giving. I'll give you 105, you get 100. They raised the money there, I gave them the money. Amen, we can change people's lives and destiny. Amen, and glorify God, make God look good. Are you hearing me? Amen? Now, Proverbs chapter 29 verse 2 says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked bear it rule, the people mourn. Now you live here, are people rejoicing or are they mourning? Don't answer. <laughs> but it has to do with the fact that too many of the righteous people, people who think right, feel right, and act right, are not in the positions of authority. Are you hearing me? We keep defaulting it. We keep allowing heathens to rule and then pray for them. Instead of going into the corridors of power. Amen. Jesus said, in fact, there's a, if you ever trace gates in the scripture, gates, you're going to find it all over the scripture. Bible talks about your, your children. How does God build? Psalm 127. Amen. There's a whole prescription there. Except the Lord build a house, the laborer wicked but in vain. Except the Lord keep the house, the watchman wicked but in vain. Then he says it's vain for you to stay up late, to rise up early, for he giveth his beloved sleep. Amen. Because there's a way in which God builds. 
he builds with vision. Amen. And Job chapter 33, I'm not here to teach that, but Job 33 talks about even if you're on your deathbed, God is trying to always communicate to you through dreams, deep sleep. Amen. Okay. All right. When you go to Genesis and you watch the gifts that God gave to man, the first gift was light. And light is something that you see and hear. God said, let there be. Amen. And then God created an environment for man and God says, very good. So if you don't like the things that you see, you're not in agreement with God. You say, God saw the earth and he said what? Very good. I explained to you that a person cannot be tempted excepting from the lust of their own heart. And when Satan offered Jesus rulership of the planet, it would not have been a temptation if Jesus didn't want it. Amen? Just that he wanted it the right way in submission to his father. Now, the next thing that God does is that God creates, he in, he cre out of the earth, he selects a place called Eden. And in Eden, to the east of Eden, he creates the garden. He puts an environment. And one of the most important things is to understand where God plants you. You don't pick a church, you discern your church. You understand? And when you get in there, your job is to discern your gift and to function in it. Your gift, and I'm going to say something here that's going to make you wonder a little bit. The ultimate seed is not money. The ultimate seed is you. God knows if he has you, he has your pocket. Amen? Because where your treasure is, there you are. There your heart is. So God knows. Every woman knows. If you, let's say you love her and you're giving money to the neighbor's wife, you love the neighbor? Wife. Not her. Amen. Women are very smart. Amen. <laughs> now, after that, after God puts man in the garden to keep, to work it and to be kept by it, the next thing the Bible goes into is start talking about gold and bedillium. And then it says the gold is good. That's in verse, around verse 13 of chapter 2. Why? Because God is already signaling to us what is going to be the basis of our warfare in this planet. Amen. Money is going to be the key issue. Amen. And the wealth that is able to influence. So it's the glory of God to conceal a thing. The glory of kings to search it out. So he puts Adam as a farmer. And when he starts digging, he finds these things. Amen. And then the next thing that God does, when God realizes man should not be alone, it's not good for man to be alone. You say, what's your cross? 50. Every day you spend single. As a man, it's the equivalent of smoking 13 cigarettes. So you don't think you're a smoker. If you're single, you're smoking. Amen. <laughs> Get married. Amen. The Bible says, once you're a woman and you're not under 60, you should be married. I'll leave that alone. That's another seminar. <laughs> Amen. Now, and then he, what he does, he brings the animals and... Lord Jesus, the animal that prevails is the dog, not the lion. Nobody thinks a lion is a friend. Amen. Trust me, I've been to Africa over and over again. You don't ever want to turn your back on a lion. Once you turn your back on a lion, he says food. Amen. The dog became man's best friend. The reason why? It's loyalty. And the number one thing a man wants from his wife is loyalty. Now there's a difference between a zero dollar dog and a ten thousand dollar dog in that it could take training. And when you're marrying, make sure you can take a woman who can take training. Difference between a $0, a $10,000 dog and a $50,000 dog is how quickly it takes training. 
you brothers, you, you should listen to me. You see, because you're not going to find a wife, you're not going to find a perfect wife. You have to wash her with the water of the word to present her without spot or, or wrinkle. Now, when that wrinkle wasn't wrinkled garments, it was the wrinkled forehead. When the matchmaker found a wife, the matchmaker brought, it to, brought her to the home, her face be veiled, the mother-in-law would come, lift the veil, and look to see if she was wrinkled. Because if she was wrinkled in her youth, it means she had the propensity for nagging. That's what they were talking about. So that if you cannot talk your wife to peace, don't marry that woman. Now, if you're already married, you're already in prison, take your sentence, ask God for grace. <laughs> if she was acceptable, then they came and they dropped 10 coins in her hand that had the family logo. In common law, if you lost one of those coins, it was considered that the favor of God had, was withdrawn from the family and you'd shame the family and the husband could divorce you. That's why the woman was searching diligently for the coin. Up to now, the Berbers practice that in North Africa, you see them with coins in their hair, in their clothing, etc. That's where it came from. Amen? Now, most of the time, people recognize the fact that God gave to, to, to man the woman. But when God put man to sleep, that was the first time of recorded sleep in the universe. God doesn't sleep, angels doesn't sleep. So what God was creating was a back door to human beings. Because when, that's why he said, it is vain for you to stay up late, vain to rise up early, for he gave it his beloved sleep. Other, some version says he gave it his beloved in his sleep. Another version says he gave it his beloved provision while he sleeps. That's the power of that, for, that Psalm chapter 127 verse two. Because you marry, do not marry a man, marry his vision. Because God, I said when God told women to submit to men, he wasn't creating a, a slave class. He was creating two opportunities to get his vision accomplished. That's why you're a godly seed. And God created women with the need to manipulate, to influence. <laughs> it's in that. The Bible says you will try to rule over your husband, but in the end he will rule over you. Amen? And the thing about it is that if you have a godly woman, she will always try to push you in the direction of purpose. But if you have an ungodly woman, she's going to make you bow down to idols. You're going to be worshipping Gucci, Louis Vuitton, um, <laughs> all those different things. Now, by the end of it, if you go through Psalm 127, he says, and your, your children will speak to your enemies in the gates. Because the gates represent the place of authority. Amen. And over and over. From the time Jesus talked about his church, he said, upon this rock, the rock of revelation, I will build my church, ecclesia, government, senate, and, they, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Because you are ordained of God to challenge his enemies. You, we were created for the realm and, and for the position of power and influence. Are you hearing me? It's in you as servant of God. The Bible says, know you not that we will judge angels? Amen. And if you're going to judge angels, who is the present Congress? Are you hearing me? Now, the ways of accessing power, one of the ways is money. That's one. I was, I was talking about another way last night. I kind of just dropped a hint on it with the Gadara, the demon of Gadara, Gadara, Gadara. Amen. 
when, and you can confirm what I said through Kenneth Hagin's book on visions, okay? When he said that, uh, when he told the demon to leave and the demon said, I had journeyed by God, do not torment me before my time. So the demon didn't leave because certain high rank in spirit, you have to deal with them in a little different way. He couldn't be bound with chains, so praise and worship didn't work there. So Jesus asked him what was his name, because in the spirit world, your name is your authority level. Now, however, what, Apostle Ken, what Dr. Kenneth Hagin said, and I noticed because of my own personal experience, is that if you were present, Jesus told him in the vision, when one vision, if you were present, you would not have heard that conversation with your natural ear. Amen? Understanding the spirit world around you. Because what I found is that every time God allows me to get into the spirit world and to know the name of a spirit around a community, I always meet with the political people. The doors always open for me. Because the, the powers that be, they, they are vested in controlling and putting their nature upon a community. Yeah. I'll show you. Watch a demon of, Gara, of Gadara. What was his name? Legion. That's a Roman name. And that's a, and that's a Gentile term. That's why Jews were keeping pigs. Because the community nature had changed. And that's why Jesus allowed the industry to be destroyed. Because Jews had no right to be fellowshipping with pigs. Amen? So we are supposed to grow. And, and I don't want you to feel money is everything, but it's right after oxygen. <laughs> and sometimes in your business, it's a spiritual problem, not a natural problem. And that's sometimes in your marriage, everything. And therefore, it's important for us to learn to hear from God. And if there's one thing I want you to take away from this week, is that if you learn to hear the voice of God and you talk honestly with God, two things will happen. The Bible says, you know, we says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, etc., etc. But most of the time, we don't realize that that verse starts with a conjunction, and. And the thought about it is about praying in the spirit. Amen. So if you pray with aggression, that's one way to connect, being passionate, etc. The Holy Spirit will either adjust your prayer or he will give you directions as to how to fulfill your prayer. And that's what most people, they just pray a half casual, half dead prayer. Oh, God, help me. I need a car, Lord. Amen. And that's it. And they're not expecting any return from God. And they're not acting as though they are children. If you promise your child something and you don't give that child something, that child is scarred for life. Are you hearing me? Some of you are still scarred because you didn't get your dolly. Are you hearing me? 50 years ago. That's why you don't trust anybody. <laughs> now, if you use and understand that same passion and go after God, as the Bible talks about, Again, and I emphasize this because it's extremely important because sometimes in the word of faith, we, de we de-emphasize feelings as though God made us robots. You understand? You confess everything, but you have to understand God created us to be passionate beings. David was a man after God's own passion. You read the book of Psalms, every, in fact, every worship leader, every intercessor should master the book of Psalms because it teaches you the moods of God. You see, if you connect with the mood of the spirit for the day, you will bring people into the presence of God. It's the mood of God that brings you into his presence. And there are different moods in the book, in, in, in the book of Psalms. Okay, even in your intercession, it helps. Okay. 
All right, take my heresy for now. <laughs> all right, but it's important because we will, after all is said and done, we will always do what we feel. Almost all of us. You came to church because you felt like it. Those who didn't come today because they didn't feel like it. Are you with me? I know some people would have had restrictions. But God literally, grace is God's reflection, God's impact upon our heart, and it's reflection in our life, and that's important. Amen? Now, let me give you some more scripture again. <sighs> Proverbs 29, verse 4. The king by judgment establisheth the land, but he that receiveth gifts overthroweth it. Scornful men, verse 8. Scornful men bring a city into a snare, but wise men turn away wrath. So the same God that builds the house, Psalm 127 verse 1, is the same God that builds the city. You see, the collective vision of the leaders of homes is the vision of the city. A vision accomplishes the tree of life. The vision that God has given to the men of the community, as you put it together, it's how you put the, the Garden of Eden back in your geographic location to facilitate the purpose of God. When you have a godly environment, then the children in that area, they are impacted, one, based upon, the, upon uh, well, their genetics, but they're also impacted upon the environment that you create for them, one of godliness and righteousness. But if nobody's challenging the environment, then you, instead of raising up your children in the Garden of Eden, you raise them up in the Garden of Hell. Are you with me? And it's the responsibility of the heads of homes, amen, to literally fight for the geographic location. God has given that to you and for your inf influence, to grow in influence in that particular thing, not for your own glory, but to serve people. Amen. Are you with me? Yes. The nature of leadership affects fellowship. Amen. You, the generation now who believe that your sex is not determining that birth, it's because somebody told them that. Somebody who had power. And the reason that happened is because somebody who was righteous didn't take power. Because it's our heritage. You see, just as much as people believe that they manifest destiny and they took over all the land to the west and all that, you have to understand that in the righteous context. You see, what they held is the truth in unrighteousness. Okay. I spent 30 days in Fiji back in the 90s. And they had a very interesting culture. The guy who I was, whose house I was staying at, he was studying their, their culture and their history at the time, so it was fascinating as he would come home. One day he was sitting down, his wife went over his head and did something on the wall. He said 100 years ago she'd be killed for what she just did. You see, back in that culture, the head is considered authority. Therefore, the closed brethren that practice covering of hair, they can't even get Fijian Christians to cover their head because of what they believe, the sacredness. Now, when a husband died, died in that culture, the wife would go bathe, put on her best dress, sit down in the center of the house. Four of the husband's relatives will come and put a cloth around her neck and they will pull until her neck is snapped. Because when your husband is dead, your purpose is over. So in that culture, nobody said you should dead to their husband. <laughs> when your husband got a bellyache, you got a diarrhea because you saw your death coming. Are you with me? And a Christian person stopped it. When a Christian missionary was able to stop it after a, a, a head, Ratu, head chief, etc. What they do is they hold the truth in unrighteousness. Are you with me? Yeah. Now, God is looking, I want to say, y'all wouldn't understand this, God is looking for a few good men. 
As I said, we are bat there's a battle of the gods. The first commandment is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. So there's some other gods out there that God doesn't want people to be worshiping that is challenging his supremacy. And this is important to understand because most people, they again, they think it's salvation, their house note, their car, leave some money for the children, and they're okay. Christianity is way beyond that. Amen? In the book of Luke chapter 11, verse 49, and, and of course because of time I can't go into all the scriptures, so I have to cut and paste. Amen? It's a dangerous thing, but you're going to have to trust me. Luke eleven forty nine. it says, Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and show them they shall slay and persecute. So fivefold ministry sent by the wisdom of God, because the gods battle in terms of wisdom. Satan didn't come up against Jesus directly with physical brute force, because all God had to say was, he will never attack God on the basis of a frontal attack, because all God has to say is, be not, and he be not. Uh, you understand? Yeah. So the Bible said he was full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. That's why beauty is a weapon of warfare. Are you hearing me? The last time your husband almost crashed the car, you know. <laughs> well, beauty can be used as a weapon of warfare. Amen? For good or for evil. Now, <laughs> verse 52 of the same Luke 11 it says, Woe unto you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge and have not entered in yourself. And them, them that were entering in, you hindered. So these men that are anointed and sent by God are the key to revelation. Now you've got to understand this, that God is not going to tell you something personally that he told your pastor to tell you. That's why you need to show up in church. Right. You see, when, when Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he said, Lord, what do you have me to do? Jesus basically said, shut up, go into the city and somebody will come and tell you because you don't have that clearance to hear me at that level. So he found Ananias, a disciple, a disciplined one to go tell Paul. And Paul in that time was blind. So your blinders come off as you submit yourself to the order of God. You see, God does not allow us to become uh, independent um, workers. God loved even the Trinity, even God expresses himself in the Trinity. The Bible says in the beginning, Elohim, not Eloha, which is the plural, amen? The strong ones created the heavens and the earth. Are you with me? So God will always allow needs in your life until certain types of needs, until you connect to, the, to your wise man. Amen. That's what your, your pastor is. He's your wise man. He's the one who God has ordained to control certain things that will come to you. And if you don't put yourself in a place of training, you can have holes in your understanding. Amen. You've got to understand me. God assigns you to places. It's like, suppose you belong to the Air Force and you always, you, I just like the Navy. I just like the Navy. I want to hang out with all the submarine guys. And when the training is going on, you're in the, sub, you're in the Navy training. And then when a war starts, they put you to fight, put you in a jet. You'll crash the place because you're not trained. You're not in the right place. And some of you, the people that God put you around, who is your greatest difficulty to handle, God sent you to be trained by those persons rubbing on you. Iron, sharpnet, iron. And some of the people that you hate the most carry the heaviest dimensions of your purpose. And therefore you have to be very careful how you treat people that you don't like. 
You see the, okay, give you an example. The brethren of Joseph, they didn't like him. But without him, they would have starved to death. Amen, they would have missed their whole destiny about going to Egypt and growing. So you have to be careful. Anytime, in fact, that's why Jesus said, bless them that hate you, do good to them that despitefully use you. Like, no, do good to them that hate you. Amen, pray for them that despitefully use you. So the people that, from the time you say, he says, love your enemies. From the time you declare somebody your enemy, you have now been brought into a special transaction with them. So be very careful whom your emotions are telling you to hate. Are you hearing me? Amen? Now, let's go across to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9. He says, Paul again was describing his ministry, and he said, To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. The mystery, of course, was Christ in you, the hope of glory. We know that from Colossians chapter 1, verse 26. As you begin to fellowship with the Holy Spirit, people, you never know what God is telling somebody. Amen? And we come, in fact, if you watch the way that the book of Corinthians is structured, in chapter 11, he talks about the, the Lord's Supper. He talks about divine order first. Then he talks about the Lord's Supper. And then he says, some of you are weak, some are sick, and some of you sleep before your time because you don't discern the body of Christ. Because sometimes your healing is in how you treat members of the body of Christ. Amen? Yeah. Um, all right, this will preach. I remember one time I was having, when you're single and you're experiencing sickness, it's not a nice thing. I was 20-something years of singleness in my life. But one time I was having some, I mean, I'm running to the bathroom and I'm wetting myself. And when I go back, it's a trace of blood to my bed. And at those, when those things happen in the middle of the night, you think death is coming. So I asked the Lord what to do. I found out there was this sister who couldn't get her mother back in from Canada, from, from Cuba. She was in Grenada. She needed a certain amount of money to bring the child, to bring her mother back in. And the Lord says, you'll sow money into that life. Sow money to their life. You give them 1700 US dollars. And when I did that, I was completely healed. Wow. Amen? The Bible, you see, in, in what we understand basically is you give up for wealth and you give down for health. In the book of Psalm chapter 41, it says, if you give and you take care of the poor, then God will take care of you in your bed time, when you are down, when you are sick, etc. Psalm 44 verse 30 says, the first of all that you have, your first fruit, etc., give to the priest that he may cause a blessing to come upon your house. Amen? I'll come back to those things just now. But the Holy Spirit has answers for you. Amen? And you've got to learn how to activate that relationship. And the prime way I understand it, now for me, with my, I call it the office of the prophet, but my sub, my body gift is giving and teaching. So that's what the Lord released me to teach and activate the body in the area of giving. So I interpret places and money tend to flow. People like me. People always give me money everywhere I go. They like me. Came to Apostles Strata Conference, I was experiencing some hardship and COVID. By the time I landed, I heard God says, good, you're here among your tribe. I said, okay, uh-huh, that's true. After I finished preach, I sat down and I said, okay, money, come to me in the name of Jesus. Somebody walks up to me and hands me a towel. They said, what's your name, what's your, your, uh, your Zell? I give them my name at Yahoo, and they send me $1,000 immediately. I turn around, Roddy gives me $1,000. Then I got a good love offering. I don't know what yours was, I'm not telling you mine. <laughs> money comes. Amen? Uh, 
Because that's one thing for those of you that believe at least one seventh of the body of Christ has a give a body gift of direct financing for the body of Christ. Yeah. You see, I'm pulled in two different directions. But most people think that Jesus was getting everything supernatural. And that's not true. All right, let's finish this in Ephesians and we'll get across to that. All right, verse 9 says, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world had been hidden God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, church the manifold wisdom of God. We are supposed to express the wisdom that puts us in the place of power. And when I started yesterday, I went to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 13 to 16, and there was a wise man, a poor wise man. I said, that's an oxymoron, because a wise man who's poor is a wise man who has not completed his training. Because in wisdom's right hand is long life, and in her left hand are honor and riches. So if you have a proper embrace of wisdom, then you will have long life, you will also have significance, and you will also have money. Anytime you have a money problem, what you have is a wisdom problem. Because wisdom tells you how to behave, what to do, what timing to do it in, and the attitude to do it in. Some of you sometimes do the right thing, but you don't understand how to bring your emotions to bear on the spirit well. And you see, emotions are key to understanding the spirit well. If you, how do you, when you experience fear, you feel fear, but it's a real spirit. Because your, what is an, a, a feeling to you, many times, is a signification of, of, of the spirit world. Yeah. Now, let me see if I can explain it. The lowest level is the wind. Jesus said the wind listed where it will it, and no man can stop it, but he's talking about the Holy Spirit. The next level is your feelings. When the wind blows, you might feel cold, etc. And then after, depending upon your maturity, your emotions, you can handle your emotion or you cannot, you know, how you feel. And then after, there's attitude. When you keep an emotion for a long time, it's attitude. And if, depending on what attitude that you have, a spirit will find you. And then creation takes place. Somebody messes with you, you get angry. If you maintain that anger for long enough, you will have an attitude of murder, and then a spirit will come to give you the opportunity to murder somebody. You'll be driving down the road, somebody gives you a, a bad drive, and all of a sudden you're running out of the car with your gun for a bad drive. And it starts off all the way there. So the Holy Spirit, he comes into... In fact, that's what the Bible says. When you learn to maintain your, your, your attitude, your spirit, the Bible says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, non-suffering, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faith, etc. And he says, against such there is no law or no limitation. Because when you start walking in the spirit of wisdom, the Bible says, if any man is wise, James chapter 3, let him straight out of the meekness, out of the meekness of something it says. But the whole idea is that your meekness or your control the Bible says, he that has no control of his own spirit is like a city without walls, etc. But as you, by, as you have spirit control, now and this is important, because the principle, the principle of promotion in the spirit world is persecution. Persecution always predates, predates promotion as a principle. Persecution predates promotion as a principle. You're going to find all God's people that were promoted, were persecuted before they were promoted. However, if you don't handle persecution properly, you don't get your promotion. God does not promote, promote us when we fail the test. I tell men, your wife cuss you out, you cuss her back out, she's running the house. 
because you don't have control of your own spirit amen you will be tested watch the whole book of esther the jews were being tested and then they got supremacy as they handled it in a godly way watch watch david watch daniel you understand he was about to be promoted they brought up something against him he ended up in the lion's den he handled it properly when he walked in the lion's den he didn't go oh god i'm doing it you know he walked in there in peace and his peace was so strong it filled the bellies of the lion now you hear it man hallelujah so we are here to battle against principalities and powers in heavenly places but we demonstrate the wisdom of God. Job is one of the best examples. He literally, he almost shut the devil's mouth for the whole book of the whole Old Testament. You yeah. Because he handled things in the right way according to his understanding. Now we are upgraded in understanding because he said like, the Lord give it, the Lord take it away. We know it's not the Lord. But he handled it to the best of his revelation. And the Bible said he got what? Promotion. Double for his trouble. Amen? So God is interested in growing us. He's interested in causing us to come to the place where we draw attention. We are the light of the world. We are, we are a city set upon a hill. We are supposed, people are supposed to want to be like us. Our neighbors are supposed to want to know. You know, just like how everybody keep talking about the Jews, the Jews. The Bible says, I will raise up another people and they, you will be provoked by them. We are not walking out what we are supposed to be doing. They would think Jews are like 11% in America, but 40% on the, on the top 100, 400 list. That's supposed to be born again Christians. Right. But many times we're not walking out what God says we are supposed to walk out. We are afraid of money. And the thing about it is that I tell people become, and I've heard this said too, uh, become a millionaire, even if you don't want the money, for what you have to become to have to be a millionaire. Because it's a particular type of character. You have to be a person of diligence, a person of excellence, a person of responsibility. Are you with me? Yeah. And the Bible did say in, in Luke 6, 11, 16, 11, who, if, you do not, if you're not faithful in your righteous mammon, who will give you true riches? You cannot walk into your destiny accepting. In fact, every time God would lift people up into place of preeminence, he always dealt with their money first. Okay. He took Abraham, made him very rich, according to his servant Eliezer, before he allowed him to have a son. Before Israel would leave, the, before they would leave captivity, he gave them millions of dollars. And when Jesus came on the scene, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. It's not the gospel. The word de doesn't appear in the original. Go, for those of you who are students of the Bible, there's no de. Because Jesus had not died and resurrected. It's good news. Why? The Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4, a house is built, by, is built by wisdom, it is established through understanding, and by knowledge shall the chambers there be filled with all good and pleasant riches. So uh, the reason why you're in poverty is because you lack wisdom or you lack relevant knowledge. If you're trying to sell records, you're not going to be a very rich business person at this point in time. Vinyl records. You, understand? you have to understand what it is to be relevant and when God can show you even beforehand how to deal with the enemy, how to deal with uh, uh, what is going to come and how to posture yourself, etc. You are going to make money. I told you for a season I worked, went and worked in the insurance industry and they gave me uh, an agency. They were smart. Amen. <laughs> and in four years time, when, I, when they gave me the agency, there was 27 people doing 4 million. And in four years, I, it was doing 40 million with 17 people. 
And the reason why it went up 10 times the amount is because I heard the voice of God and I taught my people how to make money. So when I took over, the agents were making in one month what they were making in a year. You understand? Because when you listen to the voice of God, he will, and God can trust you, he will prosper you. Go with me to Luke chapter 8. Going a little off by prepared sermon, but I need for you to see this because a lot of people felt that every time Jesus wanted something, there was a miracle that came. Verse 1, and it came to pass afterwards that when he went through every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were at him. And certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmity, Mary called Madeline, out of whom went seven devils, and Johanna, the wife of Chosa, Herod Stuart, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. You all seen that there? Yeah. So Jesus didn't wake up in the morning and had angel food. He wasn't eating heavenly lunches. It wasn't dinners from glory. Amen? There were people that connected to his anointing. And once you do that, once, in fact, the way that I, I tell people, I, when I started my journey into wealth, I was a quarter million dollars in debt. The bailiff came to my house, knocked on the door, and... Um, said, you didn't pay your credit card, you own 27,000. I said, hmm, what do you want about? I owe 50 something thousand to that other bank. <laughs> and then after the guy said, wait, you're not the guy who used to be on the pastor who used to be on radio? I said, oh God, open up a hole and swallow me. God didn't answer that prayer. He said, okay, go talk to them. Go talk to them and I called them, etc. When I went in, I prayed. And when I prayed, the next day I had a dream that I was in South Africa doing some family ministry. And then two days afterwards, South African people called me and said, please come down. We're having something in front of the government, uh, the Northwestern province. We're having all the high officials of government, et cetera, and want you to come and teach on family. And I said, okay, I'm coming, because God spoke to me two days before in a dream. And when I was finished, I was coming back, and my deacon, who was my head deacon, uh, he gave me a book called The Richest Man in Babylon. And I saw, for the, I saw the Bible in it. And it changed certain concepts, amen, including the fact of needing the need to save and to invest in the earth, yeah. amen? And within five years, not only was I debt-free, I made my first million, and then for the next five or six years, God added a million of my dollars every year to my life, amen? amen. And I was faithful to God. I gave one year, I made a million five. My tithe was 150,000. And my giving above my tithe was 350,000. God could trust me. Amen? Because every time money came into my hand, I didn't run and pay bills. I always consulted the Lord. And what I found out is that he tried me with sowing. He, I gave, I gave, I gave. And then after a while, he told me, go put this away for your pension. Go put this away. And I, at the end of it, I found out I had money saved for short term, medium term, and long term. I still have money that I put away 20 years ago I can't touch. Amen? Hundreds of thousands, because I listened to the Holy Spirit. 
God will be fair with you if you develop a relationship with him. Amen. You don't have to worry. Some people think, well, God's going to have me to give away everything. No, God is interested in improving your life. And every time he pulls at you for something, he is trying to get seed to take you to the next level. I drive a Benz, trying to get rid of it. I'm going to get another one. Praise God, by the grace of God. Bigger one. But when I got that, I tell my people, you don't ever have to be ashamed. You say, your pastor has a Benz? Yeah, because he gave away a BMW and a, and a Maxima. He gave away a He had a BMW? Yeah, because he gave away a Toyota. He gave away a Laurel. I keep giving away cars and God give me back cars. Amen? So I've given away at least four cars and one house and that's why I have about five properties. Okay? I'm not a bi I don't consider myself a businessman. I'm out of business. I'm doing church. I have a, I have a small size church. Amen. But God blesses me. Money has to come to me because I am trustworthy. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. Now, you've got to understand this whole thing. And the Lord is just pulling on me on this. The whole aspect of why God wants you to prosper. God wants, he wants to take care of your family. But he also wants to support his kingdom. Yeah. And he wants to confirm the ministries. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You see, when God is doing something like what he's doing here at this church. And you have a great church. Amen. I've been all around the world, etc., as far away as Australia. Amen. Just haven't been to the Middle East. And uh, you have a great church. Can you lend me a whip? Yeah. <laughs> I said you have a great church. <laughs> you should be dancing and shouting. You have a great man of God, a balanced man of God, who hears from God. Amen. Now, the degree, the degree to which you receive him will determine your prosperity. Now, hear what Jesus said. I love to teach this everywhere I go. He said, if, you, if they receive you, they receive me. If they receive me, they receive him that sent me. He said, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you will get a prophet's reward. Now, he didn't say if you receive a prophet, you'll get a prophet's reward. He said, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet. In other words, when you discern who your man of God is and the fact that he's a called man of God and that he is more valuable to this community than even the governor, you will begin to understand and you can trust him and you begin to share with him, God will bless you. And I'll, I'll, Then he goes and he says, if you receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, so even if he's not a prophet but he has a commission from God, I'll, you'll no wise lose your reward. And then he says, if you give a glass of cold water, and we normally say a glass of a cup of cold water only. The only is actually on the name of the disciples. Because we say only because in our time, you can just walk into a refrigerator and take a glass of a cup of water. But in Jesus' day, there was no refrigerator. There was no electricity. So where did you get cold water from? You had to get water, get a specially made clay jar, put it aside for a season, and then by the laws of chemistry, the temperature would drop. So he wasn't saying the slightest thing you give to your pastor or to the man of God, the men of God, God is going to bless you. He was saying when you go out of your way, he was saying the exact opposite, then I will bless you. Because some of you, the reason why you're not experiencing miracles is because you never go out of your comfort zone. Great woman of Shunem. She had a prophet coming to her door. She got no miracles. The only time she qualified for a miracle, it is when she said, let us break the house down and build a little room. You see, because at that time, her husband could not get her pregnant. 
And she was saying, husband, let's bring this prophet and his assistant, two men, into the house. And if you can't get your wife pregnant and your wife wants to bring two men in the house, you better be sure them be men of God. Are you hearing me? And when he made that decision, then miracles began to explode in that family's life. You understand? They got a child. He got resurrected from the dead. When she was told the news in advance about the coming farming, and when the time came back, in, in the doors and the bridges of Providence, when she came, when the, when the prophet's assistant was telling the king about all the miracles and the raising of the dead, she turned up in the line over and over. So when you connect to men of God, you connect to the person that God has put into your life, etc., and you ensure that the will, will and purpose of God is established in their life, God does miracles in your life. Now, I'll tell you about, we have, have in our ministry, we developed at least two decamillionaires. Decamillionaires is when you're not seven, but eight figures. And that, I'll tell you what happened. One day I saw this guy in my church and he started, he, was, he used to tie 200. Then after I noticed, it went up to about 400. Then it went up to 2,000 a month, then 4,000 a month. So after a while, I had to ask him a question. Is he selling drugs? <laughs> Are you hearing me? I didn't ask him that way, but that's what I thought. <laughs> and he said, uh, no. And he said he's getting all the contracts. He's a, 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 a title deed searcher. And he was getting all the contracts from, a, from the biggest credit union. And that money was flowing. Then he eventually invested in land and et cetera, et cetera. But before that happened, he, he told me the story. He said he was saving money to take his wife to the dentist to have her teeth fixed. And when Father's Day come, he's about 20 years older than me, he decided he wanted to honor me. So he took his wife's teeth money and bought me a ring. Now, good thing he didn't tell me. I would have forbid it. Amen? But when, right after he sowed that seed, the miracle happened. Are you with me? Now, I'm not going to tell you if you do that, it's going to happen to you, amen? But you've got to understand the power of honor. Remember yesterday I was sharing with you because it's in the power of honor. And most of the times, people who have difficulty from hearing from God, they've had a problem with their parents. And you need to, and many of us need to work through our parent problem. And sometimes you need to work that through with your pastor. Sit down and talk to that person of your own. Because some of you had parents that were not good parents and they kind of messed up the relationship because they have the greater responsibility, not you. Amen. But you are the one who was left wounded. You can be 99 and still have parent problems. Are you with me? And then the thing about our Bible says, Our Father. So here it is God is my Father. And the image of a daddy I have is somebody who doesn't keep his word. He doesn't show me any romance in the proper romance. You know, that thing about many women who are promiscuous because they've never had a father who hugged them. They can't trust their husband because they never learned to trust their daddy, etc. You know, they saw constant conflict around their house. So they, they, they end up with a pathology of conflict. They, the only time they feel alive is when they're quarreling with their husbands. Are you with me? It's important to understand those things. Now... Let me go back to my sermon. <laughs> I don't know, somebody pulled on me very heavy. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, you would have heard people know this verse. The book of the law shall not be part of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Now he says meditate, it means to mutter. It means when the word is inside of you so much until it slips out of you almost like a mad person. 
most of us don't have that relationship with the word of God. I tell people, for those of you who are having problems to get healing, I bet you you cannot quote 10 scriptures on healing by heart. Any area that you're having difficulty in, you will seldom, you can, you, most of us as a believer, you will seldom be able to quote 10 scriptures in that area. If you're having trouble with your wife, you can't tell me 10 scriptures in the Bible that has to do with having a good family. You're having trouble with your children, you don't know 10 promises concerning dealing because you have not searched the word and have it sealed in your heart, it doesn't work for you. Because no word from God is void of the power to reproduce itself. So your relationship with the word is what need you need to fix. Now you hear me? Now some of you, when you were young believers, you prayed and whoop, miracles happened. You said, but it didn't seem to be working again anymore. Because when you're a baby, God gives you concessions. But as you mature, God expects you to become more dominant. If your 20-year-old son comes and says, Daddy, can I have some cornflakes? You open the door and you kick him in his butt. You understand? Because obviously something's wrong. He's challenged. Amen? He's challenged. Okay? As I said, now you, you got to understand, you see, when at a, at a mature stage in your Christianity, what you need to know is when God tells you what he's going to do, how is he going to do it for you? What is the required seed that I'm required to put out? And that ability to hear God and to passionately pursue those ends is what is important. And when the Bible talks about intercession, it says that the guy wanted bread for his friend. He went to his, another friend's door and he knocked whole night. And the guy said, my children are sleeping. And he kept knocking to so make sure the children got up so the guy didn't have that excuse anymore. <laughs> but please know Jesus, that's what Jesus is teaching us about prayer. What Jesus, you see, what, Jesus, what God does, the Bible says, the glory of God to conceal a thing, the glory of kings to search it out. So we've got to figure out the missing portions. So what that guy would have done was, Lord, where can I get bread? Oh, Earl has bread. And then when I knock on Earl's door, Earl doesn't say, I don't have bread. He says, I can't be disturbed now my children are sleeping. He didn't say he didn't have bread. So if I keep here knocking enough and the children are working, he doesn't have that excuse, so I'll remove that excuse from him. When, the, when Jesus talked about the woman, who, when he talked about petition and the old woman who needed justice, and she was in a city where the man, the judge feared neither God nor man, she went to him over and over. This is Jesus teaching petition. You see, once you discern, once God shows you the methodology by which he's going to do something in your life, your job is to stick on it until things turn in your favor. For too many of us, we are wimps. As soon as something doesn't go our way, we, you know when Moses, can you imagine being Moses? You walking down into Pharaoh's house and you know you have a trick up your sleeve. When you throw your rod down, it's going to be turned to a snake. And then when he throws his rod down, Moses says, yo, come here and see this joker. Pharaoh says that. And they throw their rod down and it becomes snake too. God didn't tell me about that. I thought I was the only person who had that trick in town. <laughs> because God was teaching his, pers his persistency, his perseverance. And then when he comes back and he turns the water to blood, the, the, the Pharaoh's people does the same thing. It's only when he comes and he turns the dust into, into fleas or itchos, lice, then they said that's the hand of God. You understand what I'm saying? So why didn't God tell him up front? 
that those things are because God is checking how committed you are. Do you believe his word? Do you believe, do you believe this is your shepherd? Do you believe you, when God sent you to anchor faith, did God really send you here? Then where is your investment? What have you put in to show that this is really your place? You have so many millions in your bank account. You have extra house. You have not sold a house. Listen to me, if we just go out there and take all the cars and sell it, we could pay for the mall. Oh, they didn't hear that one, Jesus. They didn't hear that one. You understand what I'm saying? First, when we bought land, we bought land for 300,000. They tell us it's now worth 5 million. But I had to sell a car. I remember uh, we, we were like 150 something thousand pledges and the time was going and I went into the presence of God and I said, God, the Syrian man has our money and you know he's going to keep it. And Lord, everybody knows Bishop God was trying to raise land, money for land, what to do? And then all of a sudden a song came. It's not in running but in resting. It's not in trying but in trusting. It's not in wandering, but in praying that we find the help of the Lord. And that Sunday I went to church and raised 50,000. You see? But he told me to give the car. Give a car. That car was worth 20,000 at the time. You see? That's when I first started giving, learning to give big. It is them. And for many of us, we claim. In fact, <laughs> to be honest, the biggest offering I ever gave, well, no, give no different sort. But Apostle Estrada, when he was building his cathedral, he has a big cathedral in St. Thomas. I don't know if you've ever been there, right? But he said, Bishop Gary, come over and help me to buy some, uh, to, to buy windows. And that time I was, that day in traveling, I was supposed to connect with a realtor to buy some apartments. And somehow we missed each other. When I landed there, I made a mistake again. I walked the place and I said, God, how much you want me to give? He said, you want me to raise 50,000? God said, give them 10,000 US dollars. Said, okay, once I did that, it means I could not buy the apartments I wanted. And the thing about it, the apartment block that I wanted actually was gonna be a negative gearing, which means the mortgage was gonna be less, there's gonna be more than what I could have gotten in rent. And so I shelved it, I gave the 10,000, and then within two years time, I got a brand a apartment, that was apartment, apartment block that was only one year old, and the figures were just right. And when I walked, I walked into a company in our country, and the woman said to me, Trinidad, in our culture, well, we only have 0.9% white. <laughs> so this mixed lady, she said, we don't give that kind of mortgage in this company. And then she stopped me and said, hold on. And then she went in and came back out. She says, we don't give that kind of mortgage, but the general manager said she'll do it for you. Just bring 20%. So I said, sure. Because here I was getting residential rates for a commercial property. And when I got to the lawyers, they said, but they don't do these type of mortgages. And they said, but God had changed the rules for me. Somebody in my church didn't totally hear the whole miracle and went there trying to get some money. And they said, no, we don't do that kind of miracles. Be gone. <laughs> some years later on, when I, the company I was working for, still in insurance, it, it had a rough patch and couldn't sell, etc. And my money was running low. In fact, for the first time, I had three mortgages. I started off the, the month at 30,000 in mortgages. And uh, my, I, for the, I didn't pay my mortgage for two months in our country, three months, and they could take your stuff. But there was somebody, keep, somebody kept calling me, calling me, and I didn't want to talk to that person. 
And then they took another phone and called me. <laughs> and they caught me. It was a $500,000 offer to, to change companies. And that was what I was not taking on. God was trying to put money in my hand and I was refusing it. Amen. Of course I took the, the, the jump. Amen. God keeps covenant with you when you keep covenant with God. Amen. And the reason I did now, one time Apostle Shad was actually my bishop. You know, we changed the relationship after a while. But once you understand that God has raised you up and gives you opportunity, amen, to be in a house and to partake and to fellowship with the sufferings, etc., of the man of God, it, it, God lifts you up financially. And I remember going to Apostle, he actually asked me to do the dedication of his church. And when I got there, it dawned on me, all of a sudden it dawned on me, wait, did this man pay all his bills? So I secretly went to him. I said, have you paid everything? He said, well, I put 75000 on my credit card. I said, no, 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 no. We're not going to leave that. So. so I sent a text to my elders. I said, I'm giving 10000 U.S. And you will give 10000 U.S. <laughs> it is what I'm saying. And, that's, and I raised the money for him that particular time. Because so often what we do is we walk up to the men of God and we say, well, thank God for you, pastor. You can suffer alone. <laughs> And what you have to understand is that the men of God who are covering us, the men of God who are standing and leading on, and, and, and we want them to be free in the spirit. You see, as I said, you could fake a praise, but you cannot fake an offering. It's either you give it or you didn't give it. Amen? And David, as a man who was after God's own heart, he said, I will not give God anything that does not cost me something. And therefore, sometimes I found the most inconvenient, the best time to give is at inconvenient times. Amen? You have a powerful church here. The degree to which you all will grow in authority will be direct to the degree to which you all take the world's God and use it to worship God. Are you with me? Very important to understand. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty, true God, to the pulling down of strongholds. For many of us, the problem is that we try to work the word of God without God. In a sense, a lot of word of people, foot people, quote the word, but they have no relationship with God. And God wants you, and one of the things you're going to hear over and over, when I give my testimonies, is God spoke to me. God told me this. God told me that, etc. Remember when there was a guy he found that I gave away my Laurel car, Nissan car, and now he found that I, I had the BMW. He said, when you're ready to change that car, give it to me. I said, what's wrong with this Negro boy? <laughs> I gotta forgive me. <laughs> I said, I want to sell my car like everybody else and use the down payment. And then God came to me one Friday night, Friday, while I was in my office, and he said, give the man the car. I said, oh God. I said, okay, Lord, he's a Seventh-day Adventist. He's preparing for his Sabbath, so I won't bother him today. <laughs> Saturday came. I said, Lord, today's his Sabbath. I can't bother him today. Sunday came. I said, Lord, today's my Sabbath. I can't bother him today. I'm hoping this thing gets off of me. This might have been the devil, you know? <laughs> Monday was a holiday, so I called him on the Tuesday. And I said, do you still want my car? He said, yeah, man, I don't tell God that car is mine. <laughs> 
the Negro. All right, come take the car. You know, someone's saying. So I walked around for a little while, and then I, was, I walked into the dealership. I was preparing to buy myself a C-Class Benz, and I'm glad I went to the dealership because my size don't fit in the C-Class. <laughs> So the guy gave me the price. In my country, it's 480,000, which is well, almost 70,000 of yours at the time. And the guy, one day the, the, the salesman called me, he said, Mr. Gary, are you still interested in the car? I said, yes. He said, we told you 483,000. There's somebody who ordered one. He doesn't want any more. We'll give it for you for 450,000. So he drops the price by 33,000. I said, okay, let me, call my, let me call my banker. I call my banker. And my banker says, sure, you qualify for that loan, and I'll ensure that they drop all the charges. So they drop another 5,000 off. So I get the car, I have a seven-year mortgage, paying 7,000 a month, etc. I paid down 100,000. And then I started to do a, a real, another real estate deal, just next to, next to my church. And the people after I done made my down payment of 150,000, this is 1.5 million for this property. They come back to me and they said, are oh, you working with that company that's going to trouble? You need to bring an extra 300,000. Yeah, I got it in my back pocket, you know? <laughs> so the thing is that earliest time we, and don't trip over this, but in our city, we fast over Christmas time because of a certain rule in our city in the spirit world, okay? And that's what we do, so. People get, some people disappear for that season. <laughs> We've done that for 30 something years. And the one year we didn't do it, our church almost went to pieces. It's a rule that God gave to us, okay? And uh, the only thing God told me during the prayer and fast was the promise you made to the church for the building fund. I made a promise of 120,000, I'd already given 12. He said, put it in by the end of the year. So all year's night I came with a check for $108,000 is my gift to the church building fund. The company I went through, as I said, was, was working with, they got into trouble by January 30th. After I made a down payment, then they tell me I need to find 300,000. So what do I do? I consult the Lord. All of a sudden, a member of my church, her husband gives her a million dollars, and she brings me a $25,000 tithe for me, 25,000 US. Another member, she doesn't know anything about what I was doing, comes to my house and gives me a loaf of bread. And when I said, thank you very much, I walk inside my kitchen, I take the bread out and I look and I see there's an envelope. When I open the envelope, it's a check for $128,000 with my name properly spelt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So 25,000 US is 150,000 plus 128,000, that's 278,000. God gave me the money. You see, the problem with many people is that they just want to receive, but they have not proven with sowing. Yeah. And there are some people, they try only once. They're like that king who hits the arrows twice. Come on. You understand? And you need to do it enough to the, to the point where it sticks in you that you can go to God with some attitude. Like I told God, how come I've been giving so many people money and I'm not seeing mine? Are you hearing me? And I said to you, if your offerings does not mean anything to you, it doesn't mean anything to God. You are made in the image and likeness of God. That's why, now, so God tests us with what? With money. The love of money is the root of all evil. That's why God said, try me with money. Because we are just like, we are made in his image. 
Okay. Y'all didn't catch that. Malachi chapter 3. Try me with money. You understand what I'm saying? And if you come to the point where you give God money and you can hear God saying, this is how you get back your money and more, then you're in relationship with him. Because that's what tithing is. Tithing is just about relationship. The Bible says from the time you were young, you went away from me. And he said, how shall I return? And then what he says, shall a man rob God? You've robbed me with tithes and offering. You don't trust me. You understand what I'm saying? And that's what the whole thing is about. Amen. So when you learn to trust in God and you're able to have the right mindset and the right emotional disposition. Remember I said to you that the joy is the harvesting spirit and emotion. He that weep, he that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves with him. You see, if you go back to, to Noah, Lord, an hour and a half is already gone. Where did time go? <sighs> Noah was, go to Genesis chapter 8 real quick. Verse 20. And Noah built and built an ark and altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savour, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground for any more for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither again will I smite any more every living thing, every living, everything living, as I have done. With a strategic offering, Noah was able to remove a curse that had existed for thousands of years. Amen. And some of you, your father was poor, you were poor, your grandparents are poor. In fact, you're thinking about changing your name to Owen. <laughs> but he got God's attention because he gave him a strategic sacrifice. And then what God, he established it as a principle in verse 22. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Now what Jesus did was he clarified it even the more with the parable of the seed and the sower. He said, it's time and it's seed, time and harvest, but Jesus said, in between seed time and harvest is heart condition. And that's the problem. That's why, I keep, that's why I keep coming back about the joy of the Lord. Because it's impossible to be happy and lustful. It's, happy, it's, it, it's impossible to be happy and angry at the same time. To be walking in the joy of the Lord. That's why the Bible spent, he says, joy unspeakable and it, the, joy, the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's your spiritual power. The Bible says, in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of? So what you do is you bring the heavenly atmosphere up. You bring the earthly atmosphere up to the heavenly atmosphere and it allows transference in the spirit realm. You know what I'm saying? And it's because you believe the word of God. You trust God's word. And you're willing to do what God says you should do. Are you with me? Oh, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I can't go any further tonight. Amen. We're going to close this off tomorrow with a, nine, with a bang. Amen. 
Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com.